0: The Bible tells the stories of men and women who demonstrate great faith and virtue, but also of many who embrace wickedness and deceit. Over the next five weeks, we're going to discuss some of the Bible's most infamous villains. How can we guard against resembling these people, and how can we protect ourselves from the influences of those following in their footsteps today? If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org. And you can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, and welcome back to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. As Jeremy mentioned last week, we concluded our conversations that we had begun about five weeks ago looking at different women in Scripture and some of the positive attributes that we can pull from their lives and apply to our own. And this week, we are beginning the next group of individuals that we're going to study, this time uh, described best as villains in Scripture. So over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about some pretty evil and wicked people And some of the things that they have done. But even in their wickedness, there are some lessons that we can learn, some things that we have to be careful about in our own lives. And we're going to begin this series talking about the one who gives us the most to be worried about, the most to watch out for. And I think a lot of good lessons that we can take away in regards to God's power and in regards to the wickedness that we see in the world today, and that is Satan. And so we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about who he is, uh, what he does, what he's capable of, what we have to watch out for, all of those types of things. He is certainly a figure within Scripture that is seen and talked about quite often. However, probably just in the way of context and leading into this discussion, uh, there is a lot to talk about in regards to Satan, and we probably won't get through all of it in the next 30 minutes. And there are a lot of questions that I know I have about Satan that if I have to be perfectly honest, God just doesn't give us some of the answers to some of the questions that we may have about Satan. But he does give us a lot of information that I think is helpful and and it's worthy of spending some time in study uh, today. So we're going to begin. Jeremy is just going to tell us a little bit about who Satan is. Who is who is this guy? I and mean, that's that's one of the primary questions that I think we have to be able to uh, answer to the best of our ability. Again, there's going to be some unanswered questions there. But in regards to what God has given to us in Scripture, Jeremy, how would you describe Satan? Who is this guy that we're going to be talking about this morning?
1: Well, I think we should start with the, you know, the realization he is a prominent being. I mean, there's no getting around that. You know, I was thinking about it, you know, earlier and in, in kind of thinking about, um, you know, our time and the discussion that we were going to have. You know, you think about, you know, from the very beginning of Genesis chapter one. You have God certainly there in a prominent way, Jesus as well there specifically, not just a creation, but mentioned throughout the book of Genesis, and then you turn to the very last book of the Bible in the book of Revelation, and again, you see God in a very prominent role. You see Christ certainly in a very prominent role, but certainly in not the same way. But yet Satan is very similar to that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you see him from the very beginning nearly uh, playing a very prominent role uh, in the life of man. And again, not just at the very beginning of the book of Genesis, but also in the book of Revelation, right? Right. In the book of Revelation, he continues to, to be playing a prominent role. In the life of man, I think Peter says the best in First Peter chapter five. Probably a passage we'll talk more about as we move along today. But he kind of introduces um, Satan, certainly what he's capable of. I'll leave that for maybe a little bit later discussion. Mm-hmm. But he's introduced to us as our adversary, and it, that sits. Complete opposite of what man has in God, right? In God, we have a helper, we have a comforter, we have a protector, we have a savior, all of those very positive things. But on the flip side of that, what man has in Satan is this adversary, that he is in very different ways coming after man. God is coming after man from the loving side, Mm Satan is coming after man from the hateful and destruction side, and so you see that play out at the very beginning in the book of Genesis when he pops on the scene with Adam and Eve what's he intending to do He's intending to destroy he's intending to cause problems another uh you know with, with Jesus and his temptations in, in the wilderness mm-hmm. he is spending some time with jesus and, he, and he's not you know, uh, glorifying him or or learning from him. He is spending that time trying to cause problems for him. Mm -hmm. And and so you continue to see that. Again, a very prominent story from Satan is in the book of Job, right? You have in the book of Job, again, Satan is on the scene. I bring these three up because he's kind of physically there and dealing, Mm -hmm. you know, with the circumstance and speaking even. And what do we see Him there? Listen, He is looking to cause problems. Mm-hmm. That's what He's looking to do. And so I think in a lot of ways, you're right. There are a lot of questions, certainly, but what isn't a question is about who He is, our adversary, and what His intention has always been in regards to man. Mm-hmm. God wants to save man yep. and spend eternity with Him. Satan wants to destroy man and to cause problems for man. And... Um, boy, I mean, we've got to, we've got to have that, that understanding yeah. fully engaged all the time.
0: Yeah, you, you brought up Genesis chapter 3 and, and Satan uh, being seen in that uh, section of Scripture as the serpent. Um, he will then be referred to specifically in that context in Revelation 20 as John will reflect back to the garden and, and reference Satan there as the serpent. You know, and what we see is in that moment he is trying to deceive mankind and he is successful in that in that endeavor. Um, Jesus will later refer to Satan as the father of lies and a murderer. And so we see this pattern being developed throughout Scripture. You mentioned Job; you know, he is he's is always out to deceive, to harm, to murder, to lie. That's that's his intent. That's who he is. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't play by the rules. He he is out to do harm. And we see in each of these stories as well, his presence in the lives of these people was very real, especially in these Old Testament examples that we have in regards to his presence in the garden. He had a physical presence there. And certainly in the story of Job, he was able to reach down and have a direct impact on Job's physical well-being. And even, even given, I think, based on the question that he asked or the direction that God gave him at that time, God said that he could do anything, but he couldn't kill Job. I take that to mean Satan had the power to kill Job if God hadn't limited him in that regard. And so we can see Satan's power is real in those, in those moments. He, he had direct access to the physical world. In fact, in that story in Job chapter 1, God asks Satan, where'd you come from? And his answer was, I was roaming the earth. Mm-hmm. And so, so we get this picture of, of Satan being very active and very present in the physical realm, especially in these Old Testament examples that we see. And then when we get to the New Testament, obviously you mentioned the temptation of Jesus. Satan had a presence, a physical presence there in that moment with Christ. And then again, you referenced 1 Peter chapter 5, where, where satan is is seeking whom he may devour he's he's walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and so each of these each of these instances where Satan is referenced or he's seen in the story, he has a very real presence, and I think sometimes it's easy for us to think about just kind of the unknown spiritual warfare that's taking place, and there is a lot of unknowns when it comes to the spiritual warfare. But we have seen Satan's presence be very real in the world throughout time, and that's something to remember. Now, I think we're going to talk about, as we get deeper into this, we're going to talk about, I think, how that has changed now from what we see in Old Testament times, specifically, and before Christ's death. But, But let's not forget Satan's real presence in the world, and therefore the real influence that he has had, and then how strong his influence continues to be this this guy is is real he is not some you know red guy with horns and a pitchfork that we see <laughs> right. in cartoons satan is a real force and therefore he is one that we have to be cognizant of and, and in the right in the right way we have to respect his power we have to understand that he has influence and that's something that we can't lose sight of. If The minute that we say that Satan's influence isn't something that I have to worry about, that's the minute when we're going to be in the most danger, because we've seen time and time again just how powerful he can be.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things that came to my mind there as you were speaking. Uh, the first is, yeah, his legit power. I mean, he does have power. Now, I think the story of Job gives us maybe some... Comfort, certainly those of us who are children of God, you know, comfort to know that there is a reality from the book of Job that although he has power, Mm -hmm. he is limited. His power is not the scope of God's power. God put boundaries on Satan. And if there was anyone ever in the history of the world that would look to uh, get outside of boundaries Mm -hmm. if he was able to do (laughs) that, right, it was Satan. But he doesn't, right? And so that showcases that he's not able to do that, he's not able to step outside of. Of the boundaries that God sets in place for him. And so, you know, there in the story of Job, when he comes and they have that discussion about Job, that initial conversation. And God says, no, you can't, you can't even touch him, right? Mm-hmm. You can't even touch him. And he does all of these other things. And, and Job stays true to God. And, and they have that second conversation. And, and Satan says, because you didn't let me touch him, right? Because of that and God says okay you can touch him but you can't kill him so he he keeps these boundaries in place and Satan does that he touches them mm-hmm. then physically with the boils and the disease but doesn't kill him right and so you see that limit. Again, Jesus and the temptation in the wilderness when he mm-hmm. takes Jesus up upon the t- temple and he shows him all of the kingdoms of the earth and he says, these things will be yours. He's, he's offering those mm-hmm. things. I have to think he's offering those things because that's something he can deliver on. Yep. Yep. And so it, we may not fully understand what all of that meant, but again, we're sho- he's showcasing the true power that he has and so we have to understand that. The second thing is, What I love about scripture is God is so very clear about the essence of what Satan is all about, his nature, right? Mm-hmm. We talk all the time about the nature of God, and he, in, in, in his book he's clear about that as well. you got passages in 1 John that tells us that, you know, God is love. That is his nature. That is his essence. He is light, and in him there is no darkness. Again, there in 1 John, that is his nature. That is his essence. God is also clear about Satan and his mm-hmm. nature. His nature yep. is deception and lies. You can flip that. In him is darkness. There is no light at all, right? God mm-hmm. or Satan is hate. I mean, that is his nature. That is his essence. It will be his fallback. Uh, he is not in any other way. And so, you have passages again, like Ephesians chapter six and the you know the armor of God passage that we love to to talk about. And there's lots of points to be made mm-hmm. there from Ephesians chapter six. But let's not lose sight of the purpose of that, right? The purpose of the armor. He tells us directly the purpose is to fend ourselves against the schemes of the devil, right? He's attacking us, and now we are putting this armor of God on so that we can withstand those attacks. And so the Bible is so very clear about Satan, what he is, who he is, and what he's all about.
0: Yeah, and and I think there's also then the point that has to be made as we talk about who he is, it's also, and I think you kind of started to go down this path, we have to de- determine who he is not, and as you pointed out, he's not God. He does no. not have the power that God had, and, and or God has, and we see that very clearly in Scripture. Job is a great example of that, but also I think we see that in the temptation with, with Jesus. Satan actually thought he could win. Right. And Satan thinking he can win is clear evidence that Satan doesn't know the future. Satan doesn't have the all-knowing power that God has. Satan didn't, even on the cross, Satan truly believed he could win. That was the whole idea behind tempting Jesus and trying to kill Jesus. He thought he could win. And so understanding that helps us understand that God knows the end of the story. Satan didn't. right, And and so we can see very clearly the, the distinction between the two. He thought he could get Job. He thought he could beat him. He, he, he failed. He couldn't see the end of that story. Now, God knew what was going to happen. He thought he could beat Jesus. He thought he could get him. God knew what was going to happen. Satan didn't. And so we can see very clearly just how limited Satan's powers are. Now, they're, they're great. They're, they're, he has power, as we've already begun talking about. But those powers are not God's powers, and so it's important to keep that in mind too. That while we face uh, this adversary, as you've talked about, there's reasons why we have passages like James chapter four where we can resist him and he will flee from us. He's not all powerful; right, right. He, he can be withstood, and he will he will lose. And, and that that is a very comforting thing to to keep in mind when we dig deeper into Satan, because yes, he's a very scary figure, and he's one that we have to be careful of, but we always have to remember his place in the hierarchy of things, and he is not on a level playing field with God at all. God is all-powerful, all-knowing. Satan is not, and so it's very comforting, I think, to think about some of these passages of Scripture and realize just how limited Satan's powers truly are.
1: Yeah, I mean he is a loser. I mean that yep. that is the reality of it, and that, that's what that's the benefit of a book like we have in Revelation at the very end of the Bible. There's a great benefit in that because it gives us the the end. It mm-hmm. gives us. The story, the story is concluded, right? The end is already been written. Satan is a loser. He's always been a loser. Mm-hmm. He's tried to come up against God, and he has lost each and every time, right? And so he will continue to be a loser, and ultimately for eternity, he will be a loser. I mean, that's just the way that it's going to be. And God is going to be the winner. Jesus, He will be the victor. And so now we've got to choose our side. Are we going to be with God, the winner, mm-hmm. or are we going to be with Satan, the loser? Right. I mean, we can, we can spend eternity with the loser, or we can spend eternity with the, <laughs> with the victor. But, I mean, it, it yeah. still showcases, you know, the reality of what Satan is all about. You know, he, you're right. It, it's, he tried to come up against, you know, Jesus. He thought he could win there, whether it was in the garden, he doesn't right. win there, or in right. the wilderness, whether it was on the cross. That certainly was not a win. That was a massive backfire you know, for him. And so, but he thinks he has all of these things. Mm-hmm. And again, the book of Revelation will paint the picture that Satan thought mm-hmm. that he could beat Jesus, and he couldn't. Mm-hmm. But because he couldn't beat Jesus, the only thing he has mm-hmm. is to try to pick off his people. Yep. That, that is yep. all. And so he will spend all of his remaining time trying to pick off the people mm-hmm. of God. And for those of us who are the people of God, man, we've got to be we've got to be mindful of that. Yep. And we've got to know the reality of that. And again, God is so very clear about what his intentions are but yet, as you made mention of, at the same time, he equips us with everything that we can. I've, I've turned to James 4 before you even made mention of that. That showcases the power that God has mm-hmm. over yeah. Satan and yeah. our ability to tap into that power, right? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I mean, that is as clear uh, as it can be.
0: Yeah, there's there's a few passages that I, I, was, I came across as in preparation for this that were just really, really eye-opening to me when you talk about what you were just talking about in regards to Satan's power being limited, but also the fact that he is just a loser in all of this. And there, there were a couple passages that I came across. John 12, verse 31. So Jesus, Jesus there is, is pointing to Satan as the ruler of the world. However, he indicates in that passage that he's about to be cast out which gives us an indication that he has had some level of dominion over the earth, but he's about to lose control of that. And then we have that passage in Matthew chapter 28, after Jesus has risen from the dead and he's about to ascend back into heaven, Satan has been defeated, and what does Jesus say? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. God has now reestablished dominion over over the earth because Satan has been defeated, and, and we get that again in in Colossians chapter two, which is a passage that I really really like in, in talking about this particular aspect of Satan and his presence. Uh, Paul is writing to the Christians in Colossae, and he's making the point that when Jesus was on the cross, he wiped out the certificate of debt, if you're reading from the New American Standard, or the handwriting of requirements that were against us. He's wiped out our sin, and he's, he's nailed it to the cross. Verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, but not only disarmed them, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. I just love how that paints such a a vivid picture of Jesus on the cross disarming the principalities of evil, disarming Satan. But not only that, he, he made a fool of him. I mean, he made a public spectacle of him. As we were talking about just a minute ago, Satan really thought he could win. And what ends up happening? Not only does he lose, but now he gets cast out, and now he's just this joke In a lot of of ways, that's how powerful and overwhelming the victory of Jesus was. And I think those passages paint a really clear picture of just how impactful Christ's victory over death was, certainly for us individually because it gives us an opportunity for our sins to be forgiven because he has sacrificed his perfect blood on our behalf. But not only that, this was God's victory over Satan. Satan is cast out. Satan is a joke. Satan has lost. The war is over. And so now, to your point, all Satan has left is his influence to try and pick us off, as you said. And I, I like that imagery a lot. That's all he's got left. Right. Because everything he's lost. It's over. It's lost. And so now he's, he's just trying to use what influence he has in this world— to try and pick us off, as many as he can. He's going to take as many of us down with him as he can. And that's, that's all he's got left. And, and that is just so—I mean, in one way, it's, it's so encouraging to think about that victory that Jesus attained over Satan. But again, a reminder to us that just because Satan has been defeated, that doesn't mean that his influence in this world is gone. In fact, I think he could make, he'd make a strong argument that his influence is as strong as ever in the world today. He is still trying to take as many people down with him as he can, and that's something we can never lose sight of.
1: Yeah, I mean, the New Testament, in a lot of ways, will, will get us to understand that he is a liar. No, he is the father of lies, but he is deceitful. He is deceiving. That, that's what he is all about. You see that at the very beginning from, you know, Genesis chapter 3. When you know it's something as simple as you know uh, the the eating of you know fruit from a tree and and you know Eve says, "Listen, God says we can't this is going to happen and Satan ultimately says, "Well God is a liar right mm-hmm. he is, he's told you incorrectly, yep. so he just he just lies he's right lie. and that's what he does and that's that's what he continues to do, and you know the danger becomes Especially when we when we face temptation, and ultimately we will. And, and he's very good at temptation. He knows us mm-hmm. very well. He knows us individually. Yep. Uh, he knows our strengths and he knows our weaknesses. And he tries to prey on that. And, and then he whispers into our ear that there's you don't have the power to overcome mm-hmm. this. You, you don't have the power. Uh, to withstand this, you, you just you're not equipped for this. But yet, at the same time, God wants us to understand we are. I mean, so we see that all the time. I mean, Second Corinthians ten and eleven, you know, are great examples of that. Where you have there in chapter eleven, you know, the picture of his deception that he'll he, he can even transform himself into a you know an angel of light, right? And he mm-hmm. can he's able to do that because his deception is so strong. But yet in Second Corinthians chapter ten we, we uh, this picture of war, it, it gives us the indication of, of what we're equipped to do, right? We're, we are mighty in God, verse 4. We can pull down strongholds. We can cast down arguments and every high thing, verse 5. We can b- be ready to punish disobedience, verse 6. Mm-hmm. I mean, these very vivid, this very strong language that God provides that showcases with him not just that we have the power to withstand the devil, we have the power to push him away. Right. And that yeah. brings us back to that James passage, the to resist him, he'll flee from you. It's not cowering in the corner and just taking his beating right. and then ultimately staggering to our feet. Mm-hmm. No, we have the power to push him away. Mm-hmm. And that is ultimately the power that God has over him. And I think that has to be the picture in our mind.
0: It does, and that, that's what should give us the most comfort when we talk about this topic. We can't bury our heads in the sand when it right. regards to Satan and what his influence can do to us and what it has done in this world. We can't We can't do that. We can't hide from it. But what we can do is we can take joy in the fact that we're on the side of the victor. right? And, and victors don't have a reason to run. They don't have a reason to hide. They, they stand strong because they know they have won, and, and when we're on the side of Christ, that should be our attitude in regards to Satan. Satan, you lost. <laughs> I'm on. The, I'm on the winning side of this, and, and so we can take great joy and comfort in that. And really, I think that is is where, obviously, that's where God wants us to be. That's where He has always wanted us to be. You know, that there, there's a passage in Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus is is talking about this, and He indicates there that you know Satan and his angels. Are going to be cast into hell that that's what hell was created for and even there i i love the imagery of of hell being created for satan and his angels that means it wasn't created for me right that's not that's not where god wants me to be that's not a place for me now if i choose to follow him that's where i'm going to end up because that's Mm -hmm. where he is that's not where i'm supposed to be god never intended for us to be cast into hell he wants us to be with him forever that's what he created us to be. That's why Jesus came to earth. That, that's what all of this is about. And so I can take great comfort in knowing that God wants me with him. That's where he's always wanted me. That's who he created me to be. And so as long as I stay focused on that and I'm on the side of the victor, then, yes, Satan is, is, is someone that I have to be careful of, but he's not something I have to fear. Right. He's not something that I have to walk around in, you know, cowering in fear of. He's, his influence is something that I know I'm going to come in contact with because I live in this world. But his influence is something that I can easily withstand because I'm on the side of Christ and I'm following the victor in all of this. And that should give us great comfort.
1: Yeah, and it, it comes back now to preparation, right? Am I prepared? And what helps in being prepared is is this conversation we're having today, right? That acknowledgement of, of not just who he is, but what his purpose is. I mean, we can full circle back to First Peter chapter 5, you know, certainly that he is our adversary for sure, but his purpose, his intention is to defi- devour, to destroy. He's not looking to push us around. He's not... Looking to cause us some inconvenience or cause us some trouble, you know that's what he whispers in our ear when it comes to temptation. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a tiny little thing, and nobody gets hurt. I mean, these are the kind of whispers that he brings about. But he's he's looking to destroy. Mm-hmm. That's his intention. That, that's the purpose of what he's all about. And so when we have that in our mind, now I'm prepared. Now I'm ready. I'm equipped because of my relationship with God, but I am prepared, I am ready because I know what he's all about.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap things up there for the day. I know there are probably still a lot of things that could be said, and there are probably still a lot of questions uh, that could be answered or could be discussed, but I think That's a good place to wrap things up for the day. So thank you for taking some time to join us. Just to give you a little preview, as I mentioned at the beginning, we're going to be talking about some uh, famous villains, or perhaps infamous villains would be the better way of saying that in Scripture. Today being the first of those five, next week we'll be talking about Pharaoh. Uh, followed by Ahab and Jezebel, and then Haman, and we'll wrap things up with Herod. So that's just to give you a little preview of of the podcast episodes to come. Hopefully you can join us for each of those. Uh, I'm sure there'll be interesting studies as we dive a little bit deeper into uh, each of these men and the lives that they chose to live and the lessons that we can pull from their mistakes and from the wickedness that they chose to embrace. So Thank you again, and hopefully we can continue the conversation with you next week.